0: Hello, and welcome to episode 6 of book 4, titled, The Captive of Harlow. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Let's begin. Father Thokil the Elder climbed to his feet. I've known of the coming attack for several days now. The Brendalites came to me, with gold, a lot of gold. I knew of this stair. I kept it my one secret. The one that told me of it... After I was assured only we two knew of it, I killed. All I know is, Sturm must fail, must fall within the week. To troops from Brendel, though, I'm sure King Sturdle will have something to say about that. I was going to kill every last one of you, even my own son, if it were to come to that. That was my task, to defeat the leadership of the guard. Had I not recruited them for the enemy and compromise the defence of the city. Now that you know my intentions, my son, what will you do? Thokil the younger heaved the axe up over his head and with a shout approached the nearest lieutenant. He intended to land a blow and to slay him when someone from amidst the shadows barreled into him. The axe was dislodged, rattling on the stone floor. Who or what was that? demanded Lieutenant Thokil sitting up, shaken, and squinting, peering into the shadows. No more dwarves need die here, stressed the one who knocked though the younger over. It was apparent he was a masterful soldier, more that he being blind. The possibility of your redemption draws near. You all may go to your families, or you may have or you may leave the city with them with my blessing only know the service to King Truendel of Sturm is at an end you must call another king soon enough and promise your will to him but what we do asked Cadel rubbing his shoulders for warmth and comfort the city's guard will be sought out if by Bertel for their failings and if by the besieging leaders for their knowledge perhaps throwing ourselves to our deaths here is the most promising option Thokil the elder stood he circled the blind dwarf rubbing his chin in thought so who might you be you are a beggar that is all some sad unfortunate soul wounded in some battle long lost to the writers and chroniclers of history tell the truth you are no one of consequence you're right I have nothing to offer. I am simply a blind man, a veteran of a war I regret every day fighting. I had everything. I proved victorious. I brought all the dwarves together. I celebrated my life, but I failed my king. I am willing to fight for his trust once more. Dwarves must be allowed to choose. Are you willing to pay as much as I have had to pay? I betrayed my king. I favored his son. All that it has cost me. You must pay heavily. What are each of you willing to pay for the one king to commit to you? You survived the last war of the races, mumbled Cloril, where a Dwarf fought Dwarf, where King Ansel was slain, where the three sons took up the thrones of the three kingdoms. Yes. The last survivor of that war, indicated the blind beggar. That has cost me everything, except my life. Why must we listen to this beggar? He is the last survivor of the only war that has shamed each participant. So much so that most took their lives, or ended up begging outside the city's walls. We would be doing the dwarves a service, should we kill this, the last veteran. "'Don't you see?' remarked Thokil the Younger. "'What he says may be the truth. "'There is something more to the dwarf "'that meets the eye.' "'I agree,' added Thokil the Elder. "'Like that book in his pocket. "'What's a blind man doing with a book?' "'And so, pulling, and so saying, the lead guard "'stepped up to the blind dwarf veteran "'and tugged at the book and pulled it free. "'What might this be?' Asked Mendel Certainly not written in a dwarf's hand He's connected with wizards and witches Swore Zendel Those are the only ones to create a threat such as this He's a shameful beggar Confirmed Yudel Who chose cowardice over brotherhood and greed He should join his brothers that await him In the pits of hell The beggar seized Thokil's axe And spun slowly as if able to see the leadership of the guard all around him. You should not have done that. You have taken from me the last treasure I have ever owned. My king has refused me. My own troops have taken my wealth. I have lost my name to infamy. I have lost my sight. I thought suicide the most beneficial. The elves found me. Found me in the worst state of my life. At that moment, the elves materialized all around me, a hundred of their mightiest warriors, those entrusted with guarding the firstborn. For whatever reason, they found value in me. They communicated a loyalty to me. I have hundreds of the most skilled and the most loyal elven soldiers at my beck and call. The elves have made it possible for me to be a proud dwarf again. I may not be able to read it, but there is one I trust with it. You will return that book to me if I have to kill each and every last one of you. Korkil swiftly brought his axe up over his head, then swept it down and around, a crafty move meant to defeat any defense intent on removing the beggar's head from his body. But it was like the nameless beggar had anticipated the move, or had seen it a hundred times in the countless battles he fought other dwarves in the prior wars of the races. There was the ring of steel clanging against steel. The veteran counterstroke was swift as lightning, something with such panache that the dwarven lieutenants took a step back and whispered shrilly as they marveled at the move. Cadel concluded, I must most certainly add that move to my own repertoire. The lieutenants all shook. They watched as the guard Corkle's white shirt, silk shirt, darkened in the bright, chilly moonlight. His mouth open, his eyes wide. He dropped his axe and brought a trembling hand up to the fatal wound. Corkle's head became dislodged. It slid down the length of his left arm, his eyes imploring the others for some kind of life-saving miracle. Finally, the head slumped forward and fell to the ground with a plop. The sundered body collapsed noiselessly beside it. Three other lieutenants, outraged but also terrified, reached for their own weapons. Yudel confirmed what the other members of the Royal Guard of Sturm were thinking. None of us know who you are, nameless veteran of the Dwarven Wars. Our king, Trindel took great pains to eliminate anyone and everyone who fought those battles. The last of the veterans died over 30 years ago now. For whatever reason you survive, I can't help but think that not one dwarf will survive your wrath. Brothers, let's end this, man. For the sake of our children, will you kill dwarves who refuse to bow before your jilted king? You are most loyal to your king, and he took your wealth, your troops, and your name. Why must we bow before a king, we will certainly fail." And the three dwarves silently nodded to one another. They enacted a move, perfected it in countless battles, named the buzzsaw. As the three dwarves took one step in, they swept their bloody axes, one at head level, one aimed at the chest and one intended to undercut the feet. "'Your pride is at too high a price,' the nameless beggar countered this devastating attack with a car wheel. His two hands firmly planted on the stone floor. He brought his two legs down, then kicked the first dwarf, aiming his weapon at the man's torso. He forcibly thrust his body skyward, his haunches throttling Yudel's neck. The veteran dropped Yudel violently to the ground. Rolling over, then jumping to his feet, he recovered his weapon, then brought the butt of the handle down on Yudel's head, hard, puncturing his scalp with a go- like a gourd. As Yudel toddled, fatally stricken, the beggar took his axe and hurled it. The blade cleft the third dwarf's chest, a shower of blood and bits raining out as the lieutenant fought to breathe. Victorious, the nameless blind beggar, climbed to his feet and dusted himself off, straightening his jacket. Thokil the Elder acted fast. He himself was an accomplished fighter, the skilled and intelligent survivor of thousands of battles and dozens of wars, and understood that should he remove one of the beggar's hands, he, already wounded with a lack of eyesight, would be no match for the lead guard. Thokil the Elder swept down his axe, scarring the dwarf's cheek, blood beating up along the tiniest of cuts. The beggar instinctively reacted, bringing a hand up, nursing the wound. The lead guard saw his chance, the, the blind veteran being so distracted, so disarmed, Thokil the Elder Brought his weapon down, intending to remove the left hand, that left hand, and making the survivor of the Dwarven Wars subject to the lead guard's own mercy. Thokil the Elder was smiling. He was already imagining himself standing over a helpless, defeated warrior, when he saw the weapon flying, the hardened steel reflecting off the moonlight. What the? Thokil the Elder was defeated. He stood blinking trying to comprehend what he was seeing he watched as his son, the lieutenant took the elven leather-bound book and approached the blind beggar and slipped it in his pocket ah, declared the nameless veteran I will find delight in killing you but Thoko, the younger, intervened he said to him I know you intend a new king for Sturm you, the greatest warrior I have witnessed deem him worthy to rule Most most celebrated he must be for you to serve him completely, even after he has taken so much from you. He must deserve to rule, and I thought King Ansel to be dead. I respect you. I know to fear and cherish you. I will serve alongside you. I will help secure King Ansel his throne. Please, this man is my father. Spare him his life this once. Allow him to leave Sturm as a gift to the one who saved your life." The veteran frowned, then agreed. He took a step back, then allowed Thokil the Elder to retrieve his axe. The lead guard grumbled something at his son and disappeared inside Stern. The other lieutenants were given the same option to leave Sturm with their families or choose to fight alongside the blind beggar and the supposed king that having been betrayed by all the dwarves would demand so much from each one restored to the throne but could he unite the dwarves by making them less of dwarves of dwarves or divide them further resulting in another bloody dwarven war Would the dwarves still own Sturm in a week's time? Would the city fall to those hungry for the city's treasure? And eager for a dwarven defeat? He had a problem with any king that sought to crush every dwarf's spirit. He thought of his own heart. How could he possibly serve a king that would expect him to give up being a dwarf and that completely? Once the last of the dwarves abandoned his post as royal guard. A blind beggar earnestly took Lieutenant Thokil's forearm and escorted him through the labyrinth of chambers and corridors, as if he were thoroughly familiar with the layout of the city, burrowed into the mountain. At length the two entered a part of the city Thokil the younger had never seen before, dusty and musty. You would not be surprised if not a single dwarf had been in this section of the city since its construction. ''Where are we?'' asked the local. ''I never knew these chambers to exist.'' ''Come on,'' the beggar urged. ''I have something I wanted you to see.'' The two descended a steep stair and eventually arrived at a large oak door. The beggar forced the heavy door in and the pair was greeted with darkness. The beggar turned to his immediate right inflict a switch. Fluorescent bulbs quickly fired up, illuminating an empty chamber three hundred yards in length and a hundred yards in width. What have you? Where, why have you brought me here? asked O'Kill the Younger. I see only an empty room. You may see nothing, replied the beggar, but let me tell you, this chamber holds the key to my victory over the dwarves that serve only their greed and lust, and are too arrogant to fear the king's wrath, which is most every one of them. The beggar extended a hand, give me a coin. Thoko complied, he dug in his pocket and fished one out, and the veteran took the brass coin and tossed it in the center of the room, as Thoko watched, flashes of light erupted in the glassy floor beneath the pair, clawing desperately at the cl- at the coin. Then coming back at the pair of interlopers, persons held prisoner here beneath the floor in some separate dimension, of which the floor was a medium. Progills, communicated the beggar, ugly, treacherous people, an army, not the most trustworthy of troops, known to cut down their own kind, and especially vicious when turning on their own leadership. The hope that they will soon be free Within the Abyssinian is the only thing that nourishes them. The elves despise them. They have been around them for a thousand years. They always force them back into bondage. Those who die on the battlefield, I assume, are the lucky ones. Why have you shown me these men? asked Thokil. I trust you, answered the beggar. Not enough for you to sit at my right hand, certainly. But you did save my life. I trust you enough. Enough to lead this, this army of Progils. What do you say? Do you join my cause? You may leave, if you like. The guard is already defeated. The first step of my king taking the city is complete. Sturm will soon fall. What do you say? Thoko grunted then replied, I would like to take it to Bertel. you'll regret ordering my father to kill me. So be it, acknowledged the veteran, you may use my progils to wreak havoc on this city, I'm giving you a lot of latitude in how to make use of their cruelty. You may kill Bertel, and you may kill the man's own family and loyal leadership only leave the death and the slaver of the besieging dwarfs of Brendel to me and my avenging lord I chose Bertel as my king instructed me but he has betrayed my king promising to open the city of Sturm to besieging dwarfs fearing the complete defeat of the dwarfs as Ansel demands I am right to fear your king, confirmed Thogdo the war for Sturm has come, insisted the blind veteran In seven days the fall of Sturm will happen. The dwarves must give it up. My king, the king I fight for, the king who promises me forgiveness, will sit on the throne. And a painful war among the dwarves will result. You have only to come back. Here, recruit these progils. When the last battle will have begun with a new dwarven Abyssin, as well as your place in it. What do you say? All right, replied Thokil. He sighed and said softly, I must tell you, I thank you. Thank you for seeing something of value in me. Thank you for choosing me for such a role as leader of this army. I do not deserve this opportunity. I am most grateful. I will reward your choosing me only promise me one thing what's that? asked the local humbly my king must test your loyalty and he will do this with everyone he recruits throughout the remainder of his reign you pass this test and there will be no limit to the status and privilege you enjoy you may accumulate wealth or indulge your lusts, despite his austere command but choose poorly choose to slight him and there will be no end to in his hunting you throughout the Abacene until you are found, and you are made to pay a very high price. Do you understand? I do understand, replied Thokil, and he mulled these words over as he approached the exit to the large chamber. So, so go to the seventh gate. There you will find a boy named Batkin. He is being hunted, The soldiers of Brendel were looking for him in particular. I do not know who told them of his value. You must find him. You must care for him. You must deliver him unharmed to my king. What do you say? I understand, replied Thoko. Your test for me. I will do it. He turned back. As he watched, elves flashed into existence until the beggar was surrounded by twenty-five to thirty of those elves, clearly among the eldest, and most serious, those in possession of skills developed it to win wars. Thokil stood in the doorway, appreciating the sight. Then he exited. The first thing Thokil would do, once he surfaced from the catacomb of chambers beneath the city, was arrive at the seventh gate. Find the beggars just outside the seventh gate. Find the one boy that the blind veteran doted on, this Batkin boy. Take the boy and hide him away, and use him as leverage to end the bloody war of the dwarves before it began, to undermine this blind warrior's imminent place alongside King Ansel, to bring out this frightful tyrant king, this threat to the freedom and livelihood of all the dwarves, in his hiding place and slay him Sturm might necessarily fail but there need not be a senseless war among the dwarves certainly not, no thorough defeat of all the dwarves finally Thotho had the means of finding the, the one man he'd been searching for all his life one he was convinced even existed and to end the silent reign of fear and unworthiness once and for all Charon was outraged the army had descended upon the dead silent village of the elves named Arlo they searched each hovel they threw over every home all in an attempt to find what secrets were hidden away here they found nothing Charon identified the six trolls charged with holding seven elven captors at the end of an enchanted chain. He throttled one of his captives. You see what the city hides, don't you? The seven captives tittered and swayed silently. Must we kill one of you? asked Candide. What does it take for one of you to take us seriously and direct us to where the treasure may be found? Ultimately, one elf, named Pezzo, stepped forward. Okay, okay, he clamored, like a clanging alarm bell. I will, t- I will take you to the treasure the elves secreted away here. And so, saying, Pezzo stepped past the other six elves. Then, catching Candide's eye, he exited the, s- the dusty, silent square. He proceeded down a long, wide thoroughfare. He made his way roughly three blocks then turned to face his captors. Are you sure you want me to lead you to to the treasure vault? asked Pezzo, "You are arrogant and rash, like all humans of standing. The treasure is well protected. I'd be leading you to certain death. Charon looked at Mother Candide and grinned. A trap, you say? You may be right. The wealth of knowledge hidden away in this city, the knowledge that has allowed the elves to be victorious in each and every battle they have ever fought, must be retained here. The elves most certainly would not want to give that up. Yes, I do not doubt there is a grievous trap here to prevent us from landing this treasure. Candide took a cat of nine tails, oozing with a derivative of belflon, and lashed out at the other six elves. That is why we have brought seven of you with us. Should there be a clever trap positioned between us and the loot, I would say that with you seven in tow, you can see the trap for what it is and disarm it. And even if you cannot see the trap's vulnerabilities, you all are connected with all the other elves. I am confident we can get past this trap and at the treasure, eh? Please, begged Pyrrhus, we will do as you ask. We will take you safely to the place where our treasure lay hid. We will expose the trap to you. Only please do not strike out at us with those cat-of-nine-tails. The elf-lime is too much, and take us there directly. Do not dally. It seems to me that we have a surplus of elves. We can do away with one or two, should you not be hasty and deliver us quickly to that which we seek. Right this way, insisted Pezzo. "No, I respect your threat. Come on. We are almost certainly there. Rigor seeks what you seek. The treasure the dwarves were, have hidden away here. The promise of our frightful new world. A secret that will facilitate a dwarf war. Rigor wants that secret to remain a secret. Before the magic wielders know the truth. Before the people of the Northwood know it. And Pezzo turned left down a narrow roadway and disappeared okay that concludes episode 6 I hope you enjoyed it uh, and I will have the next episode, episode 7 of book 4 titled The Captive of, Lo- of Our Law next week uh, thanks again for listening and I will broadcast another episode later Goodbye for now.